Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're diving deep with Kuru Footwear CMO Sean McGinnis, who's helped the pain-free brand break out of a growth slump and reach new heights this year. Sean is a deeply structured, very strategic marketer whose focus on Google search marketing architecture has paid massive dividends since he began. In this podcast, you'll hear how a sketch in grade five turned into a proprietary Kuru Soul technology that provides Kuru's main moat, why restructuring your website categories to match multiple customer journeys is a must-do for your search ads, why Facebook ads just aren't a priority for the solution-oriented brand, why mailing more just works, and how to make sure you're not burning out your list. You're also going to hear what it's going to take for Kuru to become a household name for nurses. I hope you enjoy the program. On with the show. My hypothesis still to be disproven is that Paid social is great for quick decision, snap decision, low consideration, low risk purchases. The last couple of things that I bought off an Instagram ad, one was a set of three golf ball markers that cost me 15 bucks. It's a want. It's the difference between a $30 silicone ring and a $150 pair of shoes that help you solve a real problem. We really solve a job to be done for our customers. That might make us a terrible Facebook brand. I hope I'm proven wrong. If I'm proven wrong, it's great because that'll be the next great area we actually get better at in scale. But up until now, we've really grown the brand dramatically in the last years with very little social contribution. Coley's content creation and management platform helps the world's top D2C brands enter new channels, reach more customers, and increase conversions through smarter creative that's authentic, made for you, and meets your needs cost effectively. Whether you're a brand marketer trying to grow on TikTok with authentic videos or a performance marketer looking to get more images to test in your ads to improve your return on ad spend, Coley has the creators and team to shatter your marketing goals. Visit coley.com slash DTC. That's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash DTC to request a complimentary consultation and get on the fast track to better content. Welcome to the D2C podcast, Sean. Can you start uh, a little bit with the why of Kuru Footwear? Why was Kuru Footwear built? Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. Um, Thanks for having me on the show, Eric. Um, So Kuru was founded back in uh, somewhere, depending on which date you pay attention to, 2006 or 2008 by our uh, founder and CEO, Brett Rasmussen. And uh, Brett has always wanted to own a shoe brand. Um, Part of our founding story, we have designs of a, a footwear catalog from when he was 13. So in fifth grade, as part of his not doing his schoolwork in the middle of class, he was designing like a shoe company catalog with like strike through pricing <laughs> the whole nine yards. Um, so uh, it's been his dream, his childhood dream. Uh, but the real reason that we exist today is we exist to help customers with foot pain in, in, uh, throughout North America. 95% of our business is in the States here. We also have about 5% of our business that goes to Canada, maybe less. But um, every pair of shoes that we ship includes our proprietary and patented technology that Brett invented. Um, he was not a footwear guy or a shoe, shoe guy from the at the core. He had some radical, semi-radical ideas that, frankly, he developed while doing a bunch of patent research. He knew he wanted to have something that differentiated the product. And that led him to this um, invention that we call the Kuru Soul technology. It's embedded in the sole of every uh, pair of shoes that we make. And turns out it wasn't really his initial 
thesis, it wasn't really about helping with foot pain. It was about a performance piece of like, how can I make the shoe work better for the human foot? It just turns out that it actually helps with alleviating and preventing foot pain associated with plantar fasciitis and a lot of other kind of issues that kind of afflict we humans. Sort of a bit of a universal orthotic. Yeah. And uh, that was the really the initial thesis was what happens if I take shapes and materials that you typically buy in an aftermarket orthotic and build it directly into the shoe. Wouldn't that be better? Like when I buy a hundred dollar pair of running shoes, why do I have to go buy an $80 pair of orthotics or inserts to make them work for me? Air quote. Right. Very interesting. So, and I think that's just such a smart thing. I hear it again and again on the podcast of like really building in that differentiator to the DNA of the product just makes every other aspect of creating that brand, scaling it, um, go a lot smoother. Would you agree? Yeah, it gives you a defensible moat, right? Uh, no one else can offer Kurusol technology. And so there's there's really no, we view it as there's no, com- there's no competition. If you want what we can provide, we're the only ones that can provide it. So what were the first moves that you made uh, when you took over as CMO of Kuru? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so the, the, the performance story of the business is the business grew really, really rapidly through about 2017. And then at the end of 2017, there were kind of a number of internal narratives that were kind of running around the business. And at the end of 2017, they migrated from a Magento 1 site to a Magento 2 site. And along with that migration, they basically changed everything all at once. They changed the, 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 the code base behind um, the site itself. They changed the development agency that was working on the site. They changed the hosting provider. They changed the front end design look and feel. They changed the messaging that was embedded in that um, design. And they left behind 300 pages of foot pain oriented content because the narrative was we've tapped out of this foot pain customer. We don't know how to spend more money and and make more money targeting in that way. And so we needed to pivot above and beyond and kind of move, uh, kind of pivot the business into a little more of a lifestyle brand, a little more of a uh, imagine what what you could do if you didn't have foot pain type of thing instead of a more explicit, you know, we exist to help um, solve foot pain. So the, the primary changes that we embarked on, there were about three or four. One was we moved back into the foot pain messaging space a little bit more explicitly. We're still not where I'd like us to be, but it's pretty obvious what we do now. We don't bury the lead quite so aggressively as we used to. Was there a period there after that sort of interrupt, but, but, but after that 2017 period, like where they kind of faltered, where they'd made all of these huge changes and they just weren't panning out? That must have been frustrating. Yeah. So, yep, the, the business grew through 2017 and then kind of flatlined in 2018. So revenues were about the same as 2017. And as you can imagine, when you leave behind 300 pages of foot pain or SEO driven content, your SEO traffic and, and orders are going to go down. Right. So they had to make up for that in, in paid media. So they spent more in media to maintain that same level of revenue. The next step that they did was at the end of 2018, kind of in an effort to try to reclaim that growth, they moved everything over to a local agency and they spent even more in 2019 to maintain that level. And then 2019, the rest of the year was kind of a downward spike in revenue and profit. So I joined the business at the end of 2019 to kind of complete that part of the story, reintroduced the foot pain messaging. Uh, we increased the font size, a full four, four font points across the website and conversion rate spiked. Um, we made it a little more obvious that we offer free shipping and free returns and free exchanges. So you see below our banner in Canada, you might not get that. You get a different uh, message in Canada, but in the States, we have a big black bar that sits below our navigation bar that kind of is ever present. It's a persistent, um, kind of sub nav bar that says free shipping, free returns, free exchanges, conversion rate spiked another healthy uh, percentage. 
We moved, when you navigate our category pages, we, all of the colors are present in the category pages themselves. So you don't have to click through, for example, to the men's or women's atom and then navigate it into multiple more clicks. You can see the eight colors of the, the atom or the quantum right there on the, on the category page. The thesis there was our catalog really isn't big enough to warrant that as an approach. You know, we're not Nike, we're not Adidas, we don't have... 400 different um, types of styles that we want to show you. And each of those styles has 10 different colorways, right? We can make it pretty easy, easily kind of to just scroll and see. Um, and that'll, again, sort of had a, 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 an approach. The other main thing that we did was um, <clears throat> I hired a former employer of my, employee of mine as a contractor to rebuild our paid search account from the ground up. And um, in concert with that, we added all of the categories that you see today. Um, so when you nav over men's and women's shoes, you can see that we think about the customer journey in three kind of major segments. So there's one segment is, you know, what are the types of foot pain that I have that I'm trying to solve for? Another one is I'm going to take these shoes and do specific things with them. So what are the activities you may use the shoes for? And then the third one is... I might have a job or a career that means that I'm on my feet all day long. And we've specifically styled or, or we recommend specific types of shoes for specific types of jobs. So if you're in retail or hospitality or uh, healthcare, you know, nurses are on their feet quite a bit. Those types of jobs lead to foot fatigue and other types of foot pain. So we've got specific recommendations that we make from that. And so all, all that keyword research that we did when we were rebuilding all the paid search accounts, we created these kind of micro journeys, right? From a paid search landing or paid search keyword click to a paid search landing page to a gendered category page that's tied into that keyword. So if I'm looking for comfortable shoes for nurses, we land you on a nursing page. From there, we take you to men's nursing shoes into the PDP page. Um, and that has been very effective for us. Does, has it also paid dividends on the SEO side? Uh, it has. Yeah, it has. Uh, it used to pay a lot more dividends than it has been lately. We've been uh, affected by the most recent algorithm update in November-ish time frame. Um, and not only have we been affected, but a number of sites that used to link to us and send us free referral traffic have been affected too. So we're we're in, in the midst right now of a pretty significant uh, project to rewrite a lot of our, we call them experts corner pages. It's a lot of the kind of the paid search pages. That, they're really old and they're very long in the tooth. And they're ripe for um, a rethink. So we're in the process of rewriting about 150 of those pages right now. It's really interesting. We're right in the process right now of um, building out an SEO plan for uh, the newsletter and website because we're, we're, we're filling out these category pages all the time about Facebook ad tips and Google ad tips. And we have it all categorized like that. But this idea of categorizing it across three different axes is really interesting because we're, we're trying to keep it as slim as possible. We just, but you know, I'm starting to think like, Oh, if I'm a, for instance, a CPG advertiser, would I want to find content that's about CPG versus just Facebook or Google? So it's interesting for you to categorize it across all these different axes. You're essentially serving the same products, but you're just providing like a really optimized flow to each of them. Yeah. What we hear from customers is a lot of times they'll be kind of shocked of, oh, I didn't know that yeah, th this company gets me, right? Like I had a very specific search around this type of heel pain or this type of, you know, Morton's neuroma, or there's the, a, a variety of kind of things, knee pain and heel pain, it's all intercon interconnected, right? So you might have a pain that starts with your foot, but it manifests itself up in your lower back or your hip. And by us kind of 
creating those category pages, we hear from customers all the time, like this company really gets me. Like I didn't know that you could even make a shoe specific to this thing. And there are certain recommendations that we make depending on the type of pain that you're experiencing. Um, so, you know, all those are facets that you can kind of um, further kind of narrow down in our category uh, in, inside the e-com experience. But we also create these kind of, as I referenced before, kind of a micro funnel, right? And, and some of those pages perform really, really well. I mean, best shoes for plantar fasciitis or shoes for plantar fasciitis, our women's category page was number one in Google for most of last year. Now we're down at number 11. And so that's not the page we really want to rank, but you can't control that as, as granularly you'd like to every time you, you want to, right? I had plantar fasciitis for a year and a half before I finally managed to get rid of it. So I, I've been in that problem aware um, position before. I probably searched for plantar fasciitis shoes before. I I see it's the number one uh, ailment there. I imagine is it the most is it the most common? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, the majority of our customers are dealing with some either either diagnosed or undiagnosed version of that. There's millions of Americans every year that get diagnosed with PF and. Um, it's it's the it turns out it's the core of what we do. It's not the only reason we exist by by any stretch of the imagination. It's really, you know, we help with everything from high arches to low arches, just foot strain in general or foot fatigue. Uh, but PF is the one that can be the most abusive. You see people it, for the for those that we work for. There's this incredible brand loyalty. We see it in the reviews every day. I randomly picked two out of our, you know, uh, just over one day old. I just we, every now and then we'll drop them in our Slack channel, right, to kind of pump up everybody's like. Here's the latest review, stuff like game changing or life changing for us. You know, um, it, it, you see that pretty regularly from our customer base. It's really it's it's the core of what kind of keeps us fired up and continuing to really push on the envelope. They'll come up with new styles that we can embed the technology in. Um, so, yeah, I feel I, I should say I feel your pain, but I don't because I, I don't have PF. But yeah, um, I'm glad that you found a solution. That's the important thing. So back to AdWords and, and Google Ads for a second here. What kind of performance difference did you see after this rework, this well thought out rework? Was it night and day? Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's no contest. Um, we the the bulk of our growth over the last two years has been a story related to SEO and direct channels for sure, and email. We've we've really leaned into the email channel uh, as a big uh, as on the whole, but it's been primarily about paid search, both branded and non branded, and then. Um, we've seen some pretty dramatic shopping growth in 2020. 2021, we're uh, relatively flat on that side, but on the non-branded paid in particular, we were up uh, very significantly. So it's been a, it's been a huge driver of our success the last two years. Yep. And then quick quickly about your SEO, you did you reinstate the pages that had been pulled down? Did you refactor them as well? And then what does your SEO strategy look like now kind of going forward? Yeah, we pulled a lot of that content over and that's in that experts corner page. You see, if you navigate to the bottom of our page, you see an area that's, that says uh, in the footer, it's called experts corner. That takes you to a really, really awful page that links out to about 120 different pages and sometimes uh, some of those pages are pretty heavily duplicative of one another. It's just really bad content. And so the strategy right now is we're, we're, we're consolidating all those like-minded pages into a more robust set of pages around a topic or a series of topics. And so if you navigate today in the main, uh, I think it's called foot pain and care. If you navigate there and you hit the plantar fasciitis link in the first one on the top left, you'll see the new template. So it's a, it's a new approach. It's more componentized. It's more modern. It, it definitely looks and feels a little bit better. It's more informative. Um, those uh, are the pages. We're a little bit of a hug and, hub and spoke approach. So we're taking an approach that says, 
you know, we're, we're creating these conditions or activities or careers. We're linking out from there into more detailed, um, thoughtful pages that provide just better content. So all those pages are being rewritten and then consolidated. So we're in the process of kind of redirecting those and, and producing them at scale. So hopefully by the end of March, we will have, call it 100 of the 150 re rebuilt, launched, fully indexed, and then redirected. Um, and we'll kind of you know uh, finish that up in April, I would think. Can you think of a marketing decision that you've made since coming to Crew that hasn't penned out? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I'll give you uh, not a marketing mistake, but one of the big um, one of the big questions that I had, frankly, coming into the business. I'll, I mean, I'll just tell the story real quickly. So we have a, had a meeting every week. Uh, we've since uh, stopped having it, but the, in the f first six or seven weeks, I would get these reports from the operations team. Like these are the shoes that are selling, and these are the ones that are overbought, and these are the ones that are um, slow moving, right? And we had our definition of what those two things were. And about six or seven weeks in, you know, I inherited a pretty small team. Um, we were still kind of building out the way we were thinking about things. And I, <laughs> in that room, I said, I, I get the feeling you guys want me to do something with this, like. <laughs> Like to, to help me understand, like what did the prior uh, marketing leadership or the marketing team do with this information, if anything? And uh, at the time, my hypothesis was, you know, I'm just I wasn't really sure whether we could move the needle on a specific colorway or a specific style by air quote marketing that. Right. So if you think about what I just described that were the big wins Primarily, that's about people self-selecting, and and I, it's up. It's about demand capture and us inserting crew at the bottom of the conversation. Right? We haven't really spent any uh, meaningful time doing demand gen and raising brand awareness. Like you, you, whether you found us or not, you probably didn't know crew existed, unless or until you searched for plantar fasciitis solutions of some sort. And you may have seen a branded paid ad for us, or you may not have. But um, we're not a Nike, we're not an Adidas, we're not a company that even we want the whole country yet to know about. Um, and so my big question was, from a marketing perspective, my thought was, we're going to find people like Eric that have foot pain. We're going to bring them into the, into the, the site. The first thing that Eric's going to want to do is, um, does this really solve this problem for me or not? And if so, then I'm going to probably like, scan the catalog real quickly. And does this look like something I would wear? If not, I'm out. In my case, like my um, specific, I wear wides. And so I can't tell you the number of shoe companies that don't produce wides. And so like the first thing I do, I've wasted millions of dollars uh, on advertisers in, in the shoe category in particular, clicking on their cool, like, hey, that's a cool looking shoe. Oh, they don't come in wides, buy. Like I'm just, I'm done, right? I, I know I can't buy from them. I'm not even gonna bother trying. And so they're gonna look, through the catalog looking at their criteria, then they're gonna look at the price point. Like, does this make sense for me or not? Can I afford it or not? Does, is it worth it if it actually you know, solves the foot pain or not? And then they're gonna buy what they like. <laughs> like that was my thought, right? So the big question was, can we actually move the needle on a specific style or a specific color by either featuring those shoes in our marketing and social or featuring them in email or featuring them in any kind of meaningful way? Um, today, I'm. I'm pretty turned around on that. I think absolutely we do have that capability. And so uh, one of the most important things is that we're not just focusing on our hero product, which is the thing that the marketers love because it's the most beautiful shoe and it's our top selling shoe. And it's, you know, we sometimes have to remind them, hey, we have these other things too that other people may like and 
let's make sure that we're hitting them in email or we're hitting them in social, we're hitting them in the banners on the, on the, on the e-com site. So that, that's a, been a big sort of change of heart of my personally. I'm, I'm just even thinking back to, to the, the stagnation that was sort of felt there where there was this feeling like, oh, we've really saturated this market. And I feel like that's something that every brand goes through at different points. And it's so, it's so hard to conceive of how many people there are out there looking for products, buying products. And so I just, I feel like, I think it's a really good point to bring up just because it's something that you really often have to fight through. And in your case, it seems like you fought through it by just really refining your Google AdWords and, and your Google ads and, you know, helping people find you when they had this problem. But I'm I'm just also curious, what else have you done on top of Funnel? You, you are running Facebook ads, I imagine. So we do a little bit. It's not um, nearly what you'd expect of a direct-to-consumer brand. Um, and we're in the process of testing that hypothesis as well. So my uh, hypothesis at the time, we, we inherited the paid social account from the agency when we brought it in-house. You know, we're, we've always been measuring the relative efficiency of our marketing efforts through a kind of a blended MER. The way I think about it is that output is the sweet, sweet music that's coming out of the speakers. And every channel is part of an equalizer where we're sliding. Oh, we're more tolerant of risk here or we're less tolerant of what the expense looks like on this channel. And paid social in particular, when you look at it at a last click basis in Google Analytics, is not very efficient. It's not profitable for us. So we look at that as the floor of contribution, right? Google Analytics last click says this. Facebook says this, right? They're taking credit for every single thing they can get their hands on, every view through attribution. Anyone who ever saw an ad of your brand anytime in the last X days that later on wound up purchasing, even if it came through an email click, Facebook's taking credit for that. And the truth is somewhere in between there. So, right, we've got a floor established and a ceiling established. But overall, it seems to be our least efficient channel. And so... My hypothesis going in and still to be disproven to this day is that paid social is great for quick decision, snap decision, low consideration, probably low risk purchases. Um, I don't know about you, but I, the the last couple of things that I bought off an Instagram ad, like one was a set of three golf ball markers that cost me 15 bucks. Oh, like Instagram. Oh, look at look at these cool little golf ball. I can pick what I want for three of them. Click select, buy, shop, pay. Three weeks later, they come from wherever they come from and they show up like, you know, on the back of a turtle. And I got my, my, my $15 worth of product. It was very low risk and very low consideration, right? It's a want. It's a want. It's, a, it's the difference between a $30 silicone ring and a $150 pair of shoes that help you solve a real problem. Like we always talk about how we really solve a job to be done for our customers. And like, that might make all the difference and might make us a terrible Facebook brand. I don't know. I hope I'm proven wrong. And it could be that we've just never been doing it right and we don't have the best creative in the world. And we're in the process of standing up a, a multi-touch attribution solution that's going to give us better intelligence about what the real contribution of that channel is for our brand. But today, it's a very small percentage of our spend. And we want to learn much more about it. And I, if, I, if I'm proven wrong, it's great because that'll be the next great area we actually get better at and scale. Um, but up until now, we've really grown the brand dramatically in the last years with almost with very little social contribution. You mentioned your, your email marketing. Can you talk a little bit about your strategy with email and SMS with Kuru? So there's no SMS today. We're in the process of standing that up as a channel as we speak. Um, uh, we went from when I walked in the door, we were sending three emails a week. We went to sending five emails a week and doubled revenue. 
Uh, I know people are always like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the frequency that you're killing the list. And it's like, well, we've tr- we track email subscriptions and unsubscribes and the rate of those two things have not changed. So we've actually grown the list over the last two years. Um, and we're getting better at segmenting the list and only hitting sort of, you know, the, the list was always sending to like relative engagers. So people that had interacted, opened, clicked through in the last 30 days were the ones that were getting it. And we use that primarily as a means to communicate a change in status on something, right? Um, uh, when I walked in the business, we didn't have back in stock email notifications set up as an example. So we would, when we had a big back in stock event, we would send an email. It's like, hey, Eric, uh, this 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 color of this shoe is back in stock. And even if it was a women's shoe, we would just send it to the whole list, right? So now we have that capability set up inside of our instance in Magento with List Track. So we're getting more intelligent about how we um, segment that, but we're also leaning more heavily on email to make up for the SEO deficiency. And so it's been a rough couple of months for us in terms of, and we're sending two times a day on some, and some, when we do a big promotion, we're not a heavy promotion brand, um, but w- the promotions that we do, we rely on our, our Kuru Cash point system. And so when we're doing that, we just came out of it. We did a Love Your Feet campaign throughout uh, you know, February 2nd or so through the 14th. There were days when we would send two reminders a, a day, you know, and but it, the, re, the revenue speaks for itself. Like it's been incredible. And we're up again this year over last year. So that that channel has been super, super productive for us. And it's always a danger, right? You can always burn out the list and really kill long term goodwill with your customer base by abusing it. So if you're, if you're not watching carefully, but it's easy. Again, it's easier to it, we, <laughs> uh, I, I maybe shouldn't be saying this. We made a mailing mistake a couple of weeks ago where we mailed uh, too many people, you know, that, that were not on our main list, but it, uh, they got shuffled to our main list. We mailed too many people, but we had one of our highest open rates ever on it. And it was just sort of like, we're very precious with how we do things. But I think, I think it's a mentality that as long as you're willing to test, like that's the bottom line in this industry, you just got to test it and know what markers you're looking for to make sure you're not burning your list. But otherwise it's pretty much fair game. People have a lot of understanding. If you're paying attention to your KPIs, you know, when you've overdone it, you will know pretty quickly. Right. And so it's, uh, I, it, you're right. Precious is a good word for it. I mean, I hear all these people like, Oh, I can't believe X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, the, the, the data tells the story. And if you let the data tell the story, you should be experimenting with everything. And I think the list is a lot more resilient than most, than some people think because they think of how they individually behave. But if you look at it as a whole cohort of several hundred thousand people or however many people are on your list, don't make assumptions. You know, never assume anything or assume like me and and then go prove yourself wrong. Hope to prove yourself wrong. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on order group subscriptions to build long lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. OrderGroove integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, OrderGroove gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com DTC to receive two months off your first contract. Have you ever experimented with list building? It just makes me think because you've got a product that is so, you know, for people that are problem aware, like it'd be so easy to get them to maybe download a plantar fasciitis, you know, guidebook or something like that and then kind of market to them long term. Have you experimented with just lead generating? We have not. We definitely intend to do some um, front end quizzes on the way in the door to help you find your way quickly to the solution that you need and, and both as a means to um, truncate and, and sort of stifle the amount of context we get because we actually have a... Uh, a team of 
15 now, I think, frontline. We call them Kuru Gurus, and you play on words that answer customers' questions through chat and SMS and email and phone. Um, we staff that, you know, um, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mountain Time, I want to say. So it, it, that could be a really interesting way to kind of capture the email on the front end. We're, eight, um, SMS is next for us. We're really excited to get that going. And I'm also super skeptical that it's just going to cannibalize the email channel revenue, right? Like that's, I'm hope, again, that's, I'm re- I hope I'm really wrong about that. And there's a, a high level of incrementality of what we can see through that channel. Um, but we're excited to get uh, the testing underway. I love it. And it opens up, it may open up some of the social, you know, the paid social channels potentially just because people may not be into, you know, a shoe that solves their problem. But if you're solving their problem with something free and easy, like it may be, uh, you know, a good way to put crew at the bottom of that funnel for them. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited for it. There's a lot of change in our tech stack that's, that's been happening and more is coming and uh, it's going to be a busy year for sure. I also noticed that you were hiring someone dedicated for PR. I thought that was really interesting. You talk a little bit about your your PR strategy with Kuru. Yeah, so we're um, a, a good number of us inside the business come from a place that um, ha- had a really robust digital PR practice for that business. Um, we think of it primarily as a way to generate awareness and clicks, uh, but also links. So it's very helpful from an SEO perspective um, if you get it nailed down right. And so. We are in the process or have been in the process of identifying and hiring a top candidate for that specific role. It's really about sort of um, putting the business on the map and thinking about what are the strategies that we can do to kind of raise awareness. Um, And uh, my CEO calls it hack the Internet, right? It's like tapping into the desire of um, kind of the mimetic qualities of what's out there to to put crew a little bit on the map. The the goal there is to do it in a very targeted and specific way, but do it in a way that's relevant for our customer base and um, really kind of lean into that. So we, we are excited to get that person on. They will drive strategy and also kind of focus on the programs themselves. And then we'll have our creative team kind of build those pages in order to support those efforts. And so there's there's more to come on that front. And if you start to see us in social, you'll know you'll know why. Right now, you probably have never seen us anywhere, but hopefully one of these days we'll, we'll start hitting the roadmap a bit. One place I haven't seen you is Amazon. Uh, can you describe your, your thinking there? Yeah, we're um, really against, our CEO has a very strong uh, preference to not be selling on Amazon as a channel. I'm not sure I agree with him, but uh, we are where we are and uh, I'm a good soldier. (laughs) And uh, there's really good reasons to either be on Amazon or not be on Amazon, right? There's a lot of brands that that view Amazon as their primary distribution strategy. and, And when the pain comes, it comes hot and heavy and you can get a product banned and it can really um, upset the distribution of what you have going on there. We just look at it as if we don't have to be there, there's no sense in being there, right? Every channel we can not distribute in becomes an opportunity that if we really, really wanted to, we could go down that path. And so, um, you know, with our current growth rate, there's really no reason to explore adding. And like I said before, you can't buy crew anywhere else. The only other place you can buy crew is on a used uh, site like Poshmark or eBay or something like that. There's no other place to buy a brand new pair of Kurus. You cannot do it. You can wait in line for the once a year warehouse sale that we have. And we had a couple hundred people standing outside the business when we did that last um, spring, maybe May or June. Um, But you either come to our showroom and buy it in person right now, or you buy it on our website. It's the only place. 
I love it. And it's fitting your growth plan, right? So there's no, there's no need to rush into it. I, my only thinking would be if you were to really double down on top of funnel at some point and you really wanted to grow awareness, you may want to add that as a catch all, you know, so that you're, you're catching all those extra sales from people that are on Amazon. That's where they shop. But otherwise, yeah, the biggest, the biggest risk is that people are, are searching for our brand on Amazon. And the second biggest risk is when you search for crew footwear, an Amazon page, is number two below us, and it's incredibly frustrating from an SEO perspective to have a, a, re, a marketplace that does not distribute your product be ranking for your brand in terms. That's not a problem Google's going to solve anytime soon. I mean, it's it is what it is. Um, I've you know, as someone who comes out of the SEO world, it, it's just it's never going to change. I don't I don't foresee Google making that change ever. But you know, it, it, there's probably some bleed and a little bit of a hole in that bucket, and it would be great to be able to plug it, but. Um, I think the risks probably outweigh the, outweigh the rewards as far as we're concerned at this present time. And never say never. I will never say never say never, but we're not in we're not in it today. Uh, you mentioned your warehouse sale, which I thought was interesting. It just made me think you've got to line up out the door in a warehouse. You got to take a photo of that, get that in your ads as a way to drive scarcity. But what what did you guys do for Black Friday Cyber Monday? Was that was that did that coincide with your warehouse sale? No, no. The warehouse sale was in the summer months of last year. Um, we're going to do one again this year, probably. We haven't really gotten into the planning stages yet, but principally last year was discontinued shoes. So we had a backlog, I don't you know, several thousand pair of, of shoes that have long since um, been discontinued. And we just sold them for, I think, $50 a pair, um, credit card only, just set up a square swiper, you know, a couple iPads out there and um, put a couple of big tents in the in the parking lot and just stacked everything by size and by gender and people just tore through it. But we we had to kind of control the size of the crowd a little bit because we didn't want it to get out of hand. But yeah, there were about 150 people standing outside the door. I think we did it on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And Friday at 10 o'clock, we were like, holy moly. Um, it was, a, it was a bonkers event. Yeah, it was really great. We, <laughs> we moved more than half that inventory. Uh, but for Black Friday, we, we do... Um, this year we did something very similar to what we t- traditionally do. So we, almost all of our promotions, air quote to the degree we do promotions, is just a points accelerator. So we have our um, Kuru Cash Points program. If you were to buy a pair of shoes from us today, Eric, you get five percent of your that purchase price back in your account for a future purchase. And so I think we did a three x points accelerator for Black Friday Cyber Monday. So uh, that whole kind of weekend, you know, five the Cyber Five, we do the three x points again. It's really promoted only in social and email. We hit a banner on the home site, homepage as well, and we do it across. It's a site wide promotion. Like there's no place in our checkout flow to put a coupon code to get treated any differently than any other customer of ours. Uh, I re- that was another decision I made pretty early on was when, when I realized we're not a heavy discounting uh, brand. What's the point in having a, 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 all you're doing is incentivizing people to go look for a code and, and claim a discount. So you're just, you're like giving away margins, like th- uh, just setting money on fire. And we just removed that ability to do it. And so it's been a, a it feels like a big win for us. And it's something we want to continue to maintain going forward. It seems like it. The point, the points idea. You know, I'm always interested when brands innovate. Um, they, they, you know, by not giving discounts during that period. So whether it's launching new products or or inventing a new currency, which is really smart. It's like rather than cannibalize your margin, create you know other another currency, which you've done with your points. And again, that incentivizes people to, uh, you know, and because you have so many different styles, you know, fill their whole shoe closet with with kurus where like if you're going to get a, sh- a pair of shoes that solves your problem why don't all of your shoes solve your problem and i guess that's the thinking behind the points there 
Yeah, the, our our founder is really um, passionate about that. He, there have been stories of people, uh, you know, when he, when he was actually answering the phones back in the day, he would get someone, well, you've got some crew cash. Do you want to apply that to your soil? And a lot of times the customer, no, 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 I'm saving those. Like that's, I don't want to, I don't want to use those just yet. I'm like, well, what are you saving them for? You can get a, <laughs> you can apply that to this purchase. But, uh, you know, we do want people to view it as a currency and as a, and as a benefit that they're earning. So we don't use language like 15% off. Uh, we yeah. say earn 3x. We actually tested that in this most recent promotion we did in February. We tested 3x points and fifteen earn 15% in points or 15% Kuru cash. And the 3x points actually won for us. And so um, it's very interesting in terms of how people perceive that. It's just those are the things we're continually testing and getting aligned with as a team to say, what what is the best way to phrase this? And what do customers really see from a valuation perspective in that system? We, we, we really are going to, uh, uh, you're the first to hear this. <laughs> well, uh, no, we're, we're probably going to be rebuilding that whole program from the ground up in the coming 12 to 18 months and really thinking through, you know, what are the business benefits that we want to incentivize our customers to do? And are we rewarding those activities appropriately, right? If you like something on, you share the brand on, on Facebook or you provide a review, how many dollars worth of points should we give you for that, right? Like, how do we realign that? So we're looking at, again, a potential tech stack change that um, might better power the whole concept of kind of a loyalty program for us. Do you have a favorite piece of your tech stack that you could call out? Any any uh, tool in your software that you just just absolutely love? Well, uh, my new favorite is Rockerbox by a long shot. I mean, it's uh, segment is, uh, I would say the combination of segment and Rockerbox has the potential to fundamentally change how we're doing marketing. And it's giving us um, better information uh, than we've ever had before to better understand what the purchase paths and, and, and customer journeys look like for us. Um, and it's really going to power a lot of that segmentation around email and SMS that what we're going to do on a go forward. So I'm really excited about that. It's been a work in progress and we're literally like at the one yard line. We just had our multi-touch model turned on last week. So we're starting to socialize it and starting to really dig into that tool more frequently as a team to understand like what's the value here. So very exciting times. Um, if we offered you a $50,000 grant right now to be put uh, into Kuru's marketing budget, where would you deploy that in the next, say, three to six months? Uh, 100% new creative for social. Like I would spend every penny of it and probably I would I would match it. <laughs> I would match your 50 with another 50 and pull it from some other place and uh, go and create a whole wide swath of new creative to get tested and paid social. Like we need to do it. We know we need to do it. We're doing some foundation level stuff first to better understand our customers. Um, we're in the process right now of a pretty important jobs to be done persona project where we're really talking to our customers and, and going to come back. We're working with a really talented contractor and she's going to come back with X number of personas that we really understand our customers about. And then we're going to start testing creative based off of that. So it, I would take your 50,000 and set it on my, in a jar on my uh, desk for like the next 45, 60 days and then go create all that creative. But um, that foundation level work is really exciting to, to get us to the point where we can really start doing all the things I mentioned. I actually read an article about how you were, or Kuru, maybe even before your time, I'm not sure, was rethinking their video creative for performance. Is this a, is this process still ongoing? Can you speak to it at all? 
Yeah, it's not ongoing right now, in part because it was powering some of the paid social stuff that we were testing into. And um, while the creative was performing much better, the channel itself wasn't living up to expectations. And so um, without a rocker box in place to tell us really how valuable is that channel, like a... Um, that's the thing I'm most excited to do is to, to once we get the personas developed, we then need to go create new creative video and otherwise and really you know, 10x our spend in paid social for a month or two and then measure the impact of that uh, uh, to really have a firm grasp of is this a thing for us or not? Like, is my idiot hypothesis correct or am I going to be proven wrong once again? I hope I'm proven wrong. Please prove me wrong. <laughs> but it's harder than ever, as you know, in social these days to, to deliver the results that we used to deliver. And the other thing that I kind of relate back to is paid social used to be a bigger uh, channel for the business back when you could target by health condition, right? Circa 2015, 16, 17, we, we could know that you had plantar fasciitis because through a click, we could know that was a health condition. And when that change hit, it was like, oh, well, now we've got to use these other signals that are maybe a little bit different. Um, so it just be, it becomes a little bit of a different animal for us. You spoke to it already, and I think your strategy is really sound, this idea of really diving in on your personas. Because in a world where you're, you know, you're not getting the the tracking fidelity and the targeting fidelity that we're used to, you really have to let your creative and your site categorization and your your user journeys really kind of do that targeting for you in a way. So like with your creative, calling out those different avatars, showing those different avatars, calling out the problems, those will magnetize the right users to you in a way that you know you used to be able to target. Now you really need to lean heavily on the creative. So I think your your answer to invest heavily in creative is the right one. When you say that, do you mean like, so one of, you know, we're partnered with Pilot House, so we're a creative firm as well. And so when we take on a new client, we talk about the kinds of creative they want, the really polished, the interview style, the UGC style, the product. Are you talking about like a full salvo type approach where you'd be working from everything from like high-end hero creatives all the way down to, to funky GIFs? Uh, or do you have a specific kind of video in mind when you think of video creative? No, it's everything. Yeah, we want to test everything. And it, it, it's to your point, I think it's almost like a 3D matrix, right? It's type, it's gender, it's it's condition, it's different uh, color graphics. It's, um, you know, the different messaging is another big one. Like, you know, we're, uh, if you, I mean, if you've navigated the site, you can tell our creative is not great. Like the, there's the, the branding component of crew is um, very weak. And that's not pointing fingers at anybody. It's just where we're at. Um, I'm not a brand guy. Um, our CEO is not a brand And guy. you're such a functional brand too. So you haven't had to lean. I, I think back to you talking about like the different, the colorways and things like that. Like those might work better once people are already sold on the function of the product. And then they want to know that they can get in those other colors, but it's a, it's a different marketing thought process for sure. It fits well with my idiot marketing uh, functional brain. Like I'm very kind of no nonsense when it comes to that stuff. If you were to ask me, like one of the things I'm very fascinated by is is it to, to take a, like a baby step forward? Should we just be uh, doing a much better job of defining the category that we live in and that we inhabit? But the other piece is, you know, I keep kind of, uh, we talk a lot about from the, the, the difference of kind of demand capture at that bottom of funnel and demand gen up at the top, right? And so um, if, if we were to move forward and say, okay, we're gonna go figure out a playbook to get Kuru in front of X type of person, whatever X is, you know, let's just for sake of argument, say that it's uh, nurses and, and the healthcare workers, right? They're on their feet a lot. What are the programs? What is the messaging? What is the imagery? Where do they live? How do we target them? Let's go develop that over two years and figure out. And maybe the end goal is 
that we want to be in the top five footwear brands and when we just survey a thousand random nurses and and Kuru becomes one of those five right like and maybe a lot of those folks don't even think of us as a footwear uh, a footwear problem a problem you know problem solution type of brand but just we want them to associate Kuru with nurses like what does that look like <laughs> figure out that playbook develop it uh, hone it a bit and then go, okay, we're going to go now do a new version for warehouse workers or delivery drivers or retail workers or restaurant workers, right? Like there are a whole rash of different types of jobs that we, where people are on their feet all day. And you can think of a whole variety of activities and programs and in-person event activation and lots of different things that are possible there. And we've barely even thought of it. Like it's, you know, that, that leads into the digital PR component. It leads into a branding component, an imagery component, a messaging component. There's so many variables there that we we haven't scratched the surface, partly because we've been busy fixing all this other stuff, right? Um, to, uh, the, the phases of growth that I keep describing, like phase one is fixed digital. And we're still like halfway done with that. <laughs> so there's a lot of room to go still. And then it's to start going broad and move up the funnel, right? Figs was supposed to come on the podcast this week, the nursewear company. So they'd be one to look yeah. at for how they broke into that category. Vessi has done such a partner. good job. I would do, Vessi's a great brand and Figs, I would do anything to partner with Figs. Get New Balance off their website. Those guys are not, not a great fit for them, but <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, yeah I would they don't love really to solve problems in the way that you guys do, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I will say that when, uh, when, we get ask, wides. when we ask, we get lots of wides. I'm a huge <laughs> New Balance fan as a wide for sure. Um, I, a classic uh, dad shoe, you know, the white leather with yep. the blue end. Um, yep. I wore through plenty of pairs of those in my day. Uh, but yeah, Figs is a great brand, incredible brand. Vessi's done great work. Like, Vessi's got a much tighter story, right? About waterproof shoes, stylish, great-looking shoes. This is what they do, right? And and they beat that consistently. Canadian brand, right? Vancouver, am I right about that? I would say one in three people uh, on the west coast of Canada has a pair of Vessi. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an absolute. I can't believe. And when you talk about uh, saturation, they may be approaching saturation. It could be like maybe it's the Seattle shoe. If it's why I, I never thought I kept thinking asking myself like I don't need waterproof shoes. Who needs waterproof? Maybe if you live in Seattle, Vancouver, yeah. you need waterproof shoes. You know? If you're on the beach every weekend with your dog, you need. Uh, <laughs> You need waterproof <laughs> shoes. And I may, I, I, I have, I, I cured my plantar fasciitis, which I think with something that was called like a hammer therapy, it was essentially like a, a, a massage gun that like right. hammered and it kind of like brought stem cells to the area. And that seemed to be the, the, the thing that fixed it. Whoa. But if it ever comes back, I'm going right to Kuru. I'm going to start, we're going to need to start selling some therapy guns. That's, uh, you know, some Thera guns on the site. I think that's, in terms of jobs to be done, it's not a bad idea. Although you do want to solve these, you do want to solve this problem. You don't, you know, I was going to say, if you solve the problem, then they might not want to wear the shoes, but that's not, they will still wear the shoes because they're stylish. They're still comfortable. They're, they're good for foot We pain. tell people all the time that we may not be this perfect solution for everybody. And we want to help you solve the problem regardless of what, what it takes, right? So we tell people about stretching and exercising and losing weight sometimes. Like there's a lot of different vectors that can help with that. And we want to make sure we're providing as much information as we can to our customers to give them whatever tools they need to, to fix that problem. Fantastic. Well, this has been a wealth of information. Thanks for coming on today, Sean. Uh, if people want to check out uh, Kuru, they should go to kurufootwear.com. And if they want to catch up with you and follow your uh, your marketing journey and your your witticisms, perhaps join your office hours, which I was just noticing that you hold occasionally on Twitter. Uh, how do you recommend they get in touch with you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean McGinnis, S-E-A-N-M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S. Um, happy to host people in office hours. I opened up a hour of my time every morning to just kind of schedule at random. It's been a great experiment. Three weeks in, I can't 
can't wait to keep that going. But yeah. How's that going? I, wa- I wanted to ask what kind it's of people incredible. are coming out. It's been incredible. A lot of folks that you and I are mutually connected with, but I've never had the chance to have this face-to-face conversation before. Um, and it, it's specifically designed to try to address my predilection to be in an old grumpy fart who just is like, get off my lawn all the time. It's forcing me to be open-minded and having great conversations with people that just at random, you know, people that you interact with on Twitter regularly. And because the world is all closed off now, it's like, you know what, let's just hop on a call for 30 minutes. It's been a, it's been a really fun experiment. Very cool. Well, make sure you join. I'm going to join one of those next time and uh, hope to see a few more of our listeners on there. Thanks for coming on the DZ podcast today. This is great. Thanks for having me, Eric. I really appreciate the opportunity to share the career story. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.